All right. My guest today is Rick Porter, and I feel bad because I've already eaten up an hour of your morning and we're just getting started, but uh, I just got the grand tour of Cinch IT. We're here today and you're the founder of Cinch IT, right? So I'm actually not the original founder. I no? actually purchased it in 2015. I worked for the company for about five years before I purchased no it. No way. So you worked at the company and then bought it? I did. Yeah. Wow. How did that come to be? Um, so the way it worked is when I originally um, sat down with the founder of Cinch IT, he was going through a lot of the struggles that most computer companies go through uh -huh. startups. Um, great company, really smart guy. Customers loved them. Just having a really hard time selling the product and mm -hmm. bringing on new clients. And so we, he sat down with me and he said, I want to bring my business to the next level and I want to look at different ways to do it. So I actually owned my own IT company already. Okay. Okay. And uh, what we decided to do is he outsourced a handful of the services to my IT company, specifically the sales side to start with. All right. Uh, and over time we took on more and more responsibilities. So he, we started using some of the help desk and we started doing accounting functions for him. Uh, and eventually he outsourced basically most of Cinch IT over to the company. Uh, he's a, he's a, a big dreamer. He, he likes to um, start businesses, grow businesses as well. And he was looking to move out to the Boston area and start up a couple of new ventures out there. Uh, and he said, Hey, I'm, I've been in this space for a really long time you guys are already handling all outsourcing most of the pieces of it. Would you have any interest in buying the company? Because I would really like to go on and do some other things. And I said, absolutely. So he was kind of the startup kind of guy that doesn't want to do the operations once it's going. Yeah. I call him a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. He loves yep. to start up and grow businesses and he's, he's really good at it. So mm -hmm. that's, that, that's a cool origin story. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't always happen that way. And, um, after having the tour, I can just say for listeners, this place is, it's really different than what you would think when you think IT company. Cause when I think IT company, I think gray suits or, you know, tan pants and a 10 by 10 room, um, and, and nerd technology, just, you know, someone that's on a computer answering calls, helping people to take their coffee cup off the CD drawer and their computer. And this is not that place. I mean, it's for those who can't see it right now, it's there's superheroes on the doors, it's painted green and black, and it's got a lot of personality and your business does too. It's, it's really, really not what one would expect from the IT. Do you, so I want to talk about where it started and how it got here, but let's start with what it is today. Like what, sure. tell me about Cinch so, IT today. Yeah. Today we provide computer support to businesses. So everything from help desk support to onsite support, to cybersecurity solutions, to consulting. Um, and we only work with businesses. Um, we've actually kind of, uh, where we are today is just an evolution of our success and our relationship with our customers. Actually, we talk about that all the time. So, you know, it's funny how that works. Yeah, exactly. do a good job and people keep hiring you, give people what they want yeah. when they want it. And, and they'll, and they'll like that. So, uh, our offering today, right. That help desk, that onsite support, the cybersecurity solutions, that's actually just a natural evolution of us wanting to have better relationships with our clients. And I can actually tell us in a story. Um, I actually took a phone call years, almost a decade ago, and it was from a, a customer at the time. And this was back when things were just a, a timing material or we call it a break fix model where mm -hmm. it breaks, you call us, we fix it. Uh, and I answered the phone and she said, hey, these computers are really slow. And she was frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, which computer? And she said, oh, all of these things. And I just bought them from you. And I said, well, are you talking about the ones you bought nine months ago? And she said, yep. And I said, were they always slower? Is this something new? And she said, oh, I, I don't know. I think it's something new. And I said, have you run updates? Have you checked your antivirus walking or down this path? And again, back then nothing was proactive. It was yep. when it breaks, you call me and you fix it. And her response was, no, that's what I pay you guys for because that's the relationship she wanted. 
but that didn't exist back then. Right. And, and we said, okay, just to clarify again, this is how it works. If you want me to run updates to your computer, you'll call me, we'll fix it. We'll run updates. We're happy to do that. We'd love to do that. That's how we make a living. Uh, in either case, I jumped on her computer. Um, we, we worked on her computer and in the background, we hear the <sighs> sighing, right? Because we're just like the contractor building a deck on your house. When he yep. takes a, a, a cigarette break, you're sitting there going nuts because he, he's paying hourly. Yep. And now all you can feel is that sigh, that it, pressure. Exactly. That, and that we're un working unhappiness. It, exactly. And we're working as fast as we can yeah. now, which is never a good thing, right? Right. You never want to be working as fast as you can. And when we're all done, we said, okay, you hadn't, you hadn't checked your updates in nine months. You, you weren't checking your antivirus at all. You probably weren't checking backups. So while we're here, can we take a couple minutes and just verify your last successful backup? And she's thinking that's an upsell. And so she said, no, 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 I don't have time for this. Okay. No problem. I'll, I'll call you back another time. And we both know she's not going to. Right. And I hung up the phone and I honest to God said to myself, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to have this relationship mm -hmm. mostly out of pride, probably. So I got three kids and I don't want to be at a soccer game at a school function, anywhere, birthday party, anywhere where one of the parents looks over and says, Oh, that's Rick. That's a guy who owns the it company that takes two hours to do something that should only take one hour. Just because you do this and that. And I said, I don't want to have that type of relationship. I want to have a good relationship with our clients. And, and so we, naturally starting adding on more and more things that have better relationships, like an unlimited help desk. You can call us as much as you want. You can call us 40 hours a week and there's never going to be an extra cost to you. Same thing with onsite. If we can't fix it remotely, we'll come on site. We'll fix it for free. It's all included. Things like vendor management, right? Your internet goes down. The old way is you'd call us up. We'd say, Hey, your firewall looks fine. Your switches are fine. You got to call charter. Right. And nobody wants to call charter and they go, ah, that's what I pay you for. <sighs> fine. We'll call them. We'll stay on hold, right? If that's what you want and that's what makes you happy, yeah. we'll figure out a way to do it. So today's plan is just an evolution of giving customers all the things that they've ever wanted to have a really good relationship. And the funny thing is, is that exact woman still a client to this day called up one day, we answered the phone and she said, you're going to earn your money today. I have a computer issue. Finally. And we went, all right, she's in a good mood. Let's do this. She's not mad. And so same thing. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. We say, hey, while we're here, can, oh, we said, we need 15 minutes on your computer. Um, she goes, I'm going to go get a coffee. Take all the time you want. Mm -hmm. Totally different, right? Yep. She was trying to rush us off the phone the first time. We're all done. We said, hey, we, we while we're here, can we check a couple other things? She said, do whatever you want. It's not costing me more money. It was a phenomenal relationship. And that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. She wasn't getting on the phone already. Um confrontational because you're going to upsell her because it's going to cost her money by the minute. It was more of a comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. She are, and think about this. So this is the synergistic relationship that we tried to create. Customers, business owners want to have a predictable cost for their IT and they want to have no issues. Mm -hmm. If we watered it down in the most simplest form, that's what they want. Predictable cost, no issues. Yep. What do I want as a business owner? Predictable revenue so I can budget appropriately and provide the proper resources. And I want you to have no issues because if you got 40 hours of issues, I'm not making any money. That's right. It's legitimately the best synergistic relationship you could ever create. We both want the exact same things. Yeah. It's a win-win. Exactly. And that, it, you know, 
It's funny how simple that is and how much that works in business to make it good for you and for your client. It's good for everybody, but it's not what you see. Yeah. It, well, it also took 10 years to be able to get it. to That's that what I was going to get at. I didn't just start with a, my business running nicely either. It's just, you know, for, there's a lot of years of screwing up and figuring out what you did wrong and what could be better yeah. and asking yourself questions. And there's a lot of that, but I also think there's a lot of people who aren't willing to do that because they think they have a plan and they're going to follow the plan in my way or the highway. And those people usually aren't there in 10 years. It's something, you know, they're doing something else because you have to be able to say, maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe I'm screwing up. Like what, what else can I be doing? Absolutely. Everybody is going to make mistakes. Nobody is perfect. I think the businesses that are, do a very, very good job in any industry are just the ones that have learned from those mistakes and tried their best not to repeat them. Right. But not everybody's comfortable learning from mistakes because no. as much as it's a cliche and we all say, yeah, of course you need to make sh mistakes to learn. We don't have that culture, you know, in America, it's, it's shameful to yeah. make, to make an error and that's sad and it holds us back, but that is the culture and you know, it'll change. You know, it's, it is better than it used to be, but it's still to the point where when you do something wrong, you're shamed for it. Especially nowadays, but you get, you know, yeah. cancel culture, but yeah. And, and ego comes into, play too right ego's yeah. a big problem yeah, yeah a lot of people think that you know the old the old version of the customer is always right nowadays you see that less and less or, you know ego comes into play and they say the customer is frustrated because of this or they pointed out this mistake and we don't think it's a mistake the customer's crazy the customer's wrong that's right and they're not listening it's always it's always bashing the customer yeah. who is the person that you're trying to serve and it, that's like i did it it's the default mode like in the early years it was always they don't know what they want you know we let's tell them who am I? Yeah. I, I? I didn't even talk to them yet. I, I, what, I'm looking from the outside and I know all the answers like I'm a wizard. No. And it took a long time to, to kill that ego. Well, not kill. I work on it all the time, but sure. you know, to, to have it in check and be able to come at things where I don't think I'm the wizard. But what's funny and what I, you know, I wrestle with when I think about it is also, I wouldn't have ever started the business if I didn't have that attitude 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. Not meaning it's right. The it's confidence. just the, the way it worked for me was to think I was special mm -hmm. and, you know, go blazing into it and just head first and doing it, screwing up, making mistakes. And then eventually learning that I was the one screwing up and doing it differently. And, you know, here I am 20 years later with a different perspective. But if I didn't go into it like a hard charging bull that didn't know anything, I wouldn't have done it. And now I know that's not the only way in and a lot of people are a lot smarter than me, but that's what worked for me. And yeah. it wouldn't have worked if I didn't do it. Absolutely. Every entrepreneur has a, have to, has a certain level of confidence. You have to have that. You have to believe in yourself yeah. when things look like maybe you shouldn't have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have, but it's, it's truth. If you don't, if, if there's not something in you that says, no, I can do this. I can figure it out. Then you probably aren't going to, yeah, absolutely. and then you shouldn't be doing it. So all right, back to your company, you're, I want to talk about the franchising sure. and I want to talk about that deeper later, but I just want to continue to set the tone for where you're at today. So it's not just that you've got this big business servicing multi uh, multiple companies and have this great service offering now that's not common in the industry, but now you're franchising it out and you're growing. So nationwide, right? Internationally. Right. I don't know. Tell me about what's happening with the franchise. Just give me the, you know, the top note. Cause I want to go back to the beginning and work our way all the way to today, but yeah, just absolutely. For, yeah. We, uh, we are a national franchise now. Um, we just started franchising in July of 2019 and, and presenting that opportunity, uh, um, within the United States. We're not international. We're not, we're not looking to go outside of the country at this time. 
um, headaches. Yep. Yeah. Headaches. Laws, changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we just started offering the franchise opportunity and, and basically now we're bringing on franchise owners that can open up cinch IT location locations across the U S. Um, and we can help them grow their own managed service business. So forget going back to it later. I'm just, I'm interested. It's so, sure. it's so, it's cool. So what led you to go the franchise model? So you have your business and it's working yep. successfully. What made you think, Hmm, we should franchise this. We should go you know, be like a food service or a gym or something and start to have multiple locations that we don't have to necessarily run. I just like, how did you go from one to the other? And then how long does that process take to go from the thought to a reality of a franchise model that you're now, you have franchisees, you have them out there operating? We do. So uh, actually pretty easy to answer that question. It's along the same theme that we've been talking about this whole time. And that's just listening to our clients and trying to do right by them and provide them with the best service possible. So, you know, we saw some really great success. We won some awards. We got some notoriety and, and things started to, to go really well, mostly because our clients continue to grow as well, right? If they grow, we grow. And what we found is that we were starting to bring on bigger and bigger clients or our existing clients were starting to grow. Okay. And they started opening up satellite offices all across the country. So we have construction companies that have 15 offices all across the country, pharmaceutical companies that got three or four. And what we're trying to, what we're starting to find out is we want to be able to provide fast and friendly IT support to our clients. And as they spread out across the U.S., it becomes difficult to hit that first piece specifically. How can we quickly provide onsite support to them if it's needed? Right. Well, it's very, very difficult. In 2018, uh, I think our staff flew to, I think it was 15 different states throughout the course of the year. We we're traveling mm -hmm. all the time and flying guys all over the country to onboard clients and, and offices all across the country. And we said, we have to get a resolution to this. We need to be able to provide faster on-site support when it was needed. So that's what our customers want. They want yeah. fast, they want friendly support. And so we looked at a couple different models, right? Do we open satellite offices? Do we outsource to local boots on the ground? Uh, we tried a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, we hired consultants to help us formulate that. Uh, at the end of the day, franchising was the best option for us. It allows us to open up uh, Cinch IT locations all across the country where we can pull resources when needed. If I have a um, customer in Massachusetts that's in my territory mm -hmm. and they have a satellite office in Texas, when they need boots on the ground, I can call up to the Texas franchise and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you send a, a buddy, send one of your techs over here yeah. to help out and vice versa. I'm here for you as well. Um, and so it was a natural evolution. And one of the, the greatest statistics or, or, or statements that I heard about franchising that really caught my ear is that if I open a, a company old office and I hire a phenomenal manager in that location, mm -hmm. or if I open a franchise location, the franchise owner is always going to outperform because they have skin in the game and they own the company, no matter yeah. how good of a manager is. And so I really love that. If, if we're going to open up Cinch IT locations all across the country. I want them to be the best locations possible. You need them to be, right? Absolutely. You don't you don't want to be out micromanaging if you pop up to 50 new locations. It's just you can't do that. Exactly. And I enjoy working with entrepreneurs and business owners. And and so this is a great way to be able to do something that I'm passionate about, my team's passionate about, and we get to now help them start their companies and grow their companies as well. So that, Yeah, and you and you're fun. I, I love the idea of just finding the people with drive. If they're if they're driven enough that they want to open their own thing, then they're probably gonna be go-getters and understand that they're going to wear multiple, they're going to find out exactly. wear multiple hats and they're going to have to do 
um, beyond what a manager would do, yeah. but then they get to reap the rewards of owning the business too. Exactly. And it, it, you know, as far as how long it took, uh, it took a long time. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm curious about the setting up like the, the processes and the internally to be ready to roll that out. You yeah, know, you don't have to give away any secret sauce, but no, that's, that's okay. gotta take some planning. Yeah. And I've, I'm, I, you know, I think anybody that tries to hide their secret sauce is crazy nowadays. There's so much information online. They're going to know the secret sauce. So I'm happy to always share it. Uh, for us, it took about 18 months to turn ourselves in from a um, well-oiled machine as an individual IT company to be able to scale all of those processes and procedures into a franchise model that we can replicate the results over and over and over again. So it took about 18 months. But the secret sauce is, you know, when we sat down and said, okay, we're going to franchise, what we did is a consultant said, what you should do is do a competitor analysis. Who else is in the managed services space, in the IT space, mm -hmm. in franchising? And it's a very small list, okay? What I want you to do is do the competitor analysis, and it's really simple. Provide better service for less money, and you'll win. And... I can tell you that we ignored that advice completely. <laughs> Probably, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but we ignored that advice completely, you know, wasted money. What we decided to do instead is that we got our team together, our management team together, and we said, okay, if we were to start over tomorrow, if we were to start our own IT company tomorrow, what are all the obstacles that we would be faced with? What was all the obstacles that I was faced yeah. with when I started my own? And we came up with a list of the top five obstacles, things like offering a help desk, really as simple as that, right? If, if you and I go and start an IT company tomorrow and you're the sales guy and I'm the tech and you're a phenomenal salesperson and I'm a decent tech, we're going to go and sit in front of a client. And the client's going to say, they're thinking about leaving their current IT guy because he's not fast enough. He's not responsive enough. Mm -hmm. right? I put in a ticket and it takes two days to hear back. It's unacceptable. You're going to do your thing and you're going to put down the, put together this phenomenal sales offering and they're going to love you. And they're going to say, Rick's a smart guy. You're a great salesperson. Love it. Absolutely want to do business with you guys. A uh, couple questions for you. Uh, how many people you got working for you? And you and me are going to say, we got two. Right. And that's it. I mean, deals over, no chance. We're not going to be able to give them the responsibility. If they know that's the end of the conversation. Well, what we've done as an example is on the franchise side, our franchisees, when they graduate our program and they go back, we centralize that help desk nationwide. Mm -hmm. So that for simple sake, they put a mouse pad down in front of every single computer that they manage in Texas, Florida, Arizona, wherever. And on that mouse pad has a phone number and an email address. When they call that number, it does not ring the franchisee. It actually rings us here in Massachusetts and our help desk resolves those issues nationally for the franchisees so they can focus on selling and handling the on-site support. It's, it gives them the ability to scale. So now vice versa, you and me are franchise owners, your sales, I'm tech. We sit down, we go through the same conversation. She says, how many people work for you? So we say 50 because it's me, you, and we got 48 people in, yeah, in the, and the bench back home. Exactly. Yeah. And they're working for us. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a nice model that allows them to be able to scale rapidly, which is really, really nice for them. And that had to be, um, sort of fun, but a big change here when you were gearing up for that too, because for those who didn't get the tour that I got, it's not, so we're in the building, you're building here and it's not just, um, the help desk or it's not just the reception area or the offices of the folks that run this team. This is the place where the help desk for the nation exists. But beyond that, you also have a training center for yep. the folks who are going to become franchisees. So you had to adapt the whole business model to, 
to be a new business, essentially, where you're not only still, uh, which I saw the other office upstairs, but you're still servicing and you are a franchise that yep. does the work, like the legit, what any other franchise is going to do. But then you also have to be sort of the HQ which is pumping out new franchisees in a way that they can run a successful business. And I thought that was really cool that you've adapted the business to have space for them to spend the time when they're here to train to, you know, it's, it's really, it's really quite cool. Yeah. And it's, it's a challenge. So, so we have, we have a documentary that we started from the very beginning called forming a franchise. And it's, it's, you know, the goal is, is the videographer is actually following us around and he's showcasing kind of the good, the bad and the ugly kind of thing. And, we, I don't have a franchising background. I didn't come from franchising at no point would I ever tell anybody I'm an expert in franchising, right? I'm learning just like I did when I started my IT company mm -hmm. and we're trying to evolve and learn from our mistakes just like before as well. And we're documenting that. And, and the fun part is, is we get a lot of questions through the documentary and people will ask, you know, what's the biggest challenge or what do I need to keep in mind or how much does it cost and all of this kind of stuff. And for someone like you, you would love this question. How do I, you know, how do I market this? And the truth is, is the second you decide to franchise, you now have two totally separate businesses, right? Even from a marketing standpoint, I know how to market it services very, very well. Cause we've been doing it for 17 years. Mm -hmm. But now we also have this franchise business where we're trying to sell franchises. And so how do we market that? That's a different buyer persona. It's a totally, totally. different buyer. It's a, their, their, their motivating factors are completely different. It's a different audience. We're getting them from different places. It's totally different. Mm -hmm. And so marketing, there's to two totally different marketing strategies. Well, the same thing goes for everything. Two different operations, two different financials. They are legitimately two different businesses. So you decide to franchise your business. You have to know you just started a brand new business, totally separate. Yep. And that's what we had to do with this space is say, okay, we're still running that IT company, but now we have a totally different franchise and they need their own space. Like you said, training centers, accounting center, accounting departments, all of that kind of stuff. And it's got to breathe some new excitement for you. Just like it's a new challenge. It's a new thing to do. So it's just got to be fun. And it's, it's not just new for me. It's new for my entire staff. So we had guys that were with us, you know, my, my director support's been with me for 11, 12 years now. The guy's been around for a really long time. He's very, very good at what he does. Talk about working for a company you'll never get bored with. Rick, Rick decides to go and franchise after <laughs> so many years. And now he's tasked with an impossible task of this and that. And, and so, yes, it's exciting for me because I get to now start a new business, grow a new business. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's exciting for the entire staff. And now, you know, think about it. If you worked for an IT company as a salesperson or a tech or marketing or accounting or whatever, IT companies are traditionally are pretty small, right? Because you can do a lot with a, with a, with a small group of people. Yeah. Right? You got the tools and softwares and things like and that. And the know-how and, and yeah, you can solve most of the problems in short order. Exactly. So there's only so many positions within a traditional IT company. In mm -hmm. other words, to an extent, there's kind of a, a ceiling on how far you can progress. And for our staff, the excitement was insane when we decided to franchise because now they're saying, okay, great. I can work on the help desk and I can start at the beginning and I can go to level one and level two. And now there's help desk supervisors and there's going to be tons of those over the years. There's going to be help desk managers and there's going to be logistics guys and projects guys. And so now the staff gets incredibly excited because they get to see the potential and the opportunity for them because they're part of it and they're a huge part of it. And they even get to see their own path in their own franchise if they want to become, if they get bit by the bug and want to own their own. Absolutely. You know, they, then they see how it works. They understand probably better than most even because they know behind the scenes how it's all going to come together. Absolutely. One of our franchise owners it was a former employee and he saw the opportunity and said, absolutely. Yeah, why actually, not? We've actually built in a discount for employees. Hopefully we now we don't get a bunch of people applying just so they get the <laughs> discount. But <laughs> yeah, we actually have a uh, employee discount program if they decide that they do someday want to start their own franchise. That's cool. So now let's go 
way back to before your franchising and where you are today. So um, we started, but you you came to work or you were working at the company. What were you doing before you worked for Cinch and before you bought it? So I did work for an IT company for three years, uh, long before I started my own IT company and I bought it. And prior to that, um, I actually was in the army. I was so a- it was the military right before that? Yep. yep. Okay. Um, so I worked special ops. I worked for the 75th Ranger Regiment. Um, and uh, you've probably noticed just walking around here and some of our conversations before this, uh, there's a lot of carryover from the military. Yeah. I'm a very... Um, I got a million checklists for a million things. Uh, we, we try to operate with, uh, a lot of the efficiencies, uh, that the army has, not that the army has a ton of efficiencies. They do though. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's unfair to pretend that they don't, the, the military, I, and we have military clients and like we were talking before we started recording, I I've never seen the discipline or operational efficiency that I see with the military clients that we have. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's a fun to watch because yep. it's so, it's so foreign to me as a non-military person. And it's not that it's one person who has that mindset. It's that all of them who are in the military have had this sort of imprinted on them to operate that way. And it's so effective. I I mean, I watch it be effective. There's no no reason to discount it. It works. Yeah. You know, I credit a lot of uh, the success that I've had in as an entrepreneur to the military um, because I did get that discipline. I did get an incredibly high level of organizational skills from the military um, and then, you know, in my unit in special ops and stuff like that, you know, I was a graduate of Ranger School, which is their premier leadership course. So I get to bring over some of those leadership skills. And to be honest with you, just the, in the unit that I was in, um, you gotta, you gotta, you know, be the type of person that constantly wants to push themselves and challenge themselves, um, and take on things that might be seemingly impossible. And I think that's what all of us as entrepreneurs do. And you have to believe in, like you said, you have to believe in yourself and, and continue to push forward. And so I got that, you know, I went to ranger school where you, you eat once a day, you sleep 45 minutes a night. Um, and they push you to the the point of physical and mental exhaustion. Well, that's a great preparation. And then you have to start getting shit done. That's like, to me, that's, what's amazing about it is you don't, you don't only get all those tools imprinted, but you, you get them imprinted and you have to perform above and beyond what people would expect of themselves deprived, depraved, and just in, in that zone. And I think there's no way that doesn't carry with you the rest of your life. Right. I mean, I can't think of a better it makes you want to have everyone go through that when they're young. And like, I, you know, I almost wish I did just to have the discipline, even to have the discipline that I hold myself accountable to now, 20 years ago would have been awesome. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's just, and it, I think it happens to folks who go in the military. So yeah. anyway, I, I got in the way. Go ahead. No, Sorry. no, absolutely. And I agree with that. It, it, you know, you have to make good decisions even when you're tired and exhausted and hungry and this and that. So it's, it, it has a direct correlation. And the other part is too, is, and this doesn't just have to be for the military, but for me, it was um, anybody that challenges themselves and pushes themselves and tries to, and at least accomplishes at least one seemingly impossible task for me, that might've been ranger school and, and getting into this unit that builds your self-confidence when you thought there's no way in heck I'm going to be able to do this, but you did it. Mm-hmm. It gives you the confidence to, to be, to start as an entrepreneur, to start that business um, because you have faith that you've done something that was very, very difficult. So, you know, I think for people that might be, that could be something as simple as a, not simple, but as a college degree or something athletic with sports or 
or, you know, an instrument, mastering an instrument, whatever it is, I think that, but everybody I think has to have that one big challenge and they need to accomplish it. Yeah. Cause that will give them the confidence. Yeah. And there's, you're, I think you're right. There's no, there's no right or wrong. There's no, this is the challenge you have to have, yeah. but it has to be hard for you. It has to be something that you're not sure you can attain because when you do, there's all new challenges you can take on that you think maybe I, maybe I can get there. Yeah. Things that you wouldn't have even put in your realm of reality because you just couldn't get there. But once you can, once you overcome something, it's a whole new ball game because you have a, you have a belief in yourself. You get that confidence we were talking about earlier where shit, maybe I could take this on now and, and get after it and maybe exactly. get it done. And, and success is addicting. So, you know, let's say it's mastery of the guitar or if it's a athletic feat or a competition or anything like that, whatever it is, once you achieve it, and reach that success, it's addicting. You love that feeling and you want to do it over and over and over. And so mm -hmm. you're going to be the type of person that never gets complacent. You're always going to look for that next challenge because you're addicted to it. You're addicted to the success. I, and I get addicted to it. I, I am addicted to it. And But I also, for me, uh, I find that I like to find multiple ways to try to accomplish things I can't or I don't, I'm not sure I can do or things that are hard. Meaning that when I was younger, I was more of a workaholic, like a classic type A, always working. You know, uh, my my wife or my girlfriend at the time um, would would you know catch me. I'd be at two in the morning. I'm I'm editing videos. I'm, I would just always be sort of after it. And I didn't have any hobbies, and I didn't have any other things that I was pushing. That was my thing. You know, I was going to be that entrepreneur dude. And now. I still work hard, but I, I have a lot of hobbies and things that I pursue on my own that are very difficult things that are fun. And that fuels me way more than one thing. Having a bunch of is even just personal interests, like you said, sports yeah. or, or interests or things, having those and accomplishing those things outside of my wheelhouse as well, completely relate back to my business and Absolutely. the way that I dismantle challenges at work or the way that I attack something new at work could come from the lessons I learn in any of the other activities. It took me a long time to say, I'm going to make time in life for those things. And that was a huge lesson for me. You know, I wish I did it earlier because it adds more. People always say, I don't have the time. You don't not have the time and you need to take the time because it, your life gets bigger. And that's good. Yep. You know, and that's not for everybody, but for me, it made a profound difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so I started to zone off and for just a second there as I was visualizing you on your computer at two or three in the morning and your girlfriend wakes up and goes, what in the world are you doing at two or three in the morning? Yeah, <laughs> like computer. I'm a crazy person. Yeah, you're a crazy person. But hey, obviously you decided at some point you made that shift and you did make time she married you. Yep. So, right. Yep. So you, so you Her fault right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say you didn't, you, you knew this from the very beginning. Yep. And she, man, she's awesome. She's been supportive since then. She was always right there in the corner. Sure. She'll tell me I'm crazy. Yeah. And you know, she doesn't necessarily get it because it doesn't, it's not something she would have an, as an undertaking, but she's always been, all right, you, you know, I, I get it. You got to do it. You got to make it happen. And it wasn't always easy and it wasn't always good. And it, you know, it wasn't always, um, uh, we've been around 19 years. So there's been ups and downs economically as well as just as a business owner and as things going up and down. So there's been a bumpy rides along the way and she was never shaken. Yeah. And, you know, I, and which you, is awesome. I think everybody needs that. You probably, she probably balances you out. Quite she does. I know my wife does. Right. So I am, you know, I, I don't use the word workaholic though. I know exactly what you mean. Um, for me, and it's, it's, this sounds a, a little strange. It's not necessarily that I'm a workaholic, but I really, really, truly enjoy what I do. I can tell the, just from the tour. Yeah, but, but it's it. to the point where it doesn't feel like work. 
it really doesn't honest to God does not feel like work. If, if I, cause I do every once in a while. Oh goodness. Especially when I get like a wild harebrained idea, it'll be three o'clock in the morning and I'm tossing and turning and my wife knows it. Yep. And I'll just go screw it. Yep. I'm getting up. It's I'm not working. Work. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get to work at four o'clock in the morning because I just need, I need to work this out. Um, but it's, it, it just doesn't feel like work. It's just, it, it's, I enjoy what I do. I look forward to it. Um, and that's, that's good, right? It's mm -hmm. a good feeling for me. But at the same time, because of that, I am working a lot. Yeah. Because it's just something I enjoy to do. So, it, you know, my wife also does balance me out and say, hey, listen, crazy. Put it down. Yep. L yep. Listen, crazy. Put it away. Put it down. Uh, we got this going on, this going on. We got some family stuff over here. And so she, yep. she really controls the home front and tells me, you know, balances me and says, here's where you need to be and when you need to be it. And, and it is important as well. Um, and so without that, it's nice to have that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, that, it's a real nice to have. I'd be a mess. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. And, and my, my work is the same way. I get really like, I'm, I'm into it. Like I don't, I'm not pursuing a work-life balance. Work is just part of what I do. It's part of what's going to happen in my day. Um, what I was saying, especially about the other activities, what I've found, um, and it's just been a stark comparison because I, again, I used to not have the, I mean, when I was younger, I had hobbies and then I went through this whole, you know, from 20 to like 30 of just working, you know, yeah. and, um, which is common. People do Absolutely. that, you know, that's when they stop snowboarding or they stop this, they stop that, they stop all the stuff and then they just do career. So I did that. And what I found was the departure from work makes me do better at work. The, when I go do something that actually takes me away from work, like if I go, uh, you know, shoot arrows with my sons, or if I met, uh, if I'm mountain biking in the woods of Vermont and, and I'm on a black diamond trail where if I screw up, I might die. Yep. Definitely gonna hit a tree. Yeah, there's, there's consequences. So those, those high stakes keep you in the moment when you're in the moment, you're not doing other things. You're not thinking about payroll. You're not thinking about a client that's got an issue. You're not. And by getting away from it, I come at it a lot more. It's just for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but, but by getting away from it in a forced way, otherwise I never would. Yep. I come at it fresh when I'm, when my brain comes back to it. And I've found like, it sounds woo, woo, but a lot of times problems will work themselves out like in the back of my brain without me thinking about it directly. And then I'll, I'll come up with the ideas to help fix or solve or move forward when I wasn't thinking about yeah, it. Absolutely. And it's been really helpful. Yeah. It was, and I agree with that. So there's a, so for me, I, I travel a lot for conferences and that time though it's work and i'm there for work there's there's a lot more downtime than normal and what i find is that during that time you come to these quote unquote uh, so our, our director of franchise development he travels a lot too and he'll come back oftentimes and he'll say i had a revelation and the truth is is because you stopped working in the business for a minute and you you were able to kind of slow down focus look at it from a different angle because yeah. you're, you physically weren't in the office or dealing with it um and so you do you have some of those quote unquote kind of revelations while you're away and sometimes they're simple sometimes they're big thoughts um and and that time away from the business is the only time you'll ever come up with that i, I like to hike i'm a big hiker me too I'll, I, i'll hike I'll, I'll usually i do i section hike the appalachian trail uh, with my brother so we'll disappear for three days or so um cell phones don't work right in the sections that we hike our cell phones don't work so all the technology gets put away mm -hmm. um you hike for 10 hours that's a lot of time to think mm -hmm. right it's a lot of time to talk a lot of time to think and reflect and stuff like that and there's no way you finish a three-day hiking trip 
without coming back with a, a new perspective or some new thoughts and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I do, I agree. I think it's really important for people to be able to step back um, away from the business and not necessarily, I agree with you a hundred percent that it's not a work-life balance thing. It's just give yourself a chance to come at it from a different perspective yeah. and reflect on it. When your brain's just buzzing with what's on it right now, and that's, that's modern life, you know, and your brain's just, it's constantly fed some kind of, um, stimulus all the time. And yep. if you're at work and you're constantly working, that stimulus is often work related. It's all the time. And you can't, you almost can't get a fresh perspective unless you can reset, you know, and have, have that moment and hiking and being alone in the woods uh, or even with one person having human contact for three days. That's not interrupted by texts and pings and Facebook. And that, that stuff really breaks um, the way we evolve to think. So it's, it's, I think it's important. And I, I love the woods. I hike, I run in the woods, just me and my dog will disappear for a while and go. And that is as big of a reset as anything. You know, they, it, again, it sounds, sounds like a must be nice kind of thing, but you go disappear in the woods for an hour and tell me you don't feel better. Yeah. You know, oh, it's absolutely. impossible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's nice. So, well, before we move on, you're training for an Ironman. So that's another thing that's going to draw you away from the business and probably feels good. What, what made you decide to do that? That's a big undertaking. You're doing a, either way you're doing Lake Placid. I'm actually doing the full Ironman in uh, Maryland, Cambridge, Maryland on September 18th. I'm actually doing two half marathons um, or not half marathons, uh, half Ironman 70.3s before that in preparation of it as well. Um, but yes, it's definitely a big undertaking. So that thought again so i can tell you how it came about i do like to challenge myself um i would say almost every year i try to challenge myself with something different and completely new um a couple years ago i did a bodybuilding competition um and that was made me into a crazy person but that's a different story um but i like to challenge myself um not and it, it honest to god it it might have some translation into business but it really is it's for me mm -hmm. it's not even for the business it's just for me to be able to challenge myself have goals accomplish goals that that success that's addicting well i can feel it every single day right if i completed a particular workout that was difficult instant success i feel good i get that a little bit of adrenaline so it's all it's for me but this year I decided to register for an Ironman and do the Ironman. And the reason I did it is we have for the franchise, we have an annual franchisee conference. We bring all our franchisees in. We have speakers from all over the country fly in and they do educational and motivational um, presentations for mm -hmm. them. And my present, I did a presentation this year and it was all about goal setting. And I, again, I enjoy working with entrepreneurs and so franchising is phenomenal for me because I get to work with them every single day. And my, my objective in this presentation was to teach the franchise owners how to not only set goals, right? And when we set a goal, it should be something that's damn near impossible. Set a big lofty goal, right? At the end of the day, I think you should accomplish it. But if you don't and you accomplish 90% of it, you've probably accomplished something pretty amazing. Yeah. You're further than you thought you were going to be regardless. Absolutely. So we talked about setting very near impossible goals. Then we talked about, okay, great. So the one thing that really drives me nuts is to listen to people who say these set these goals and then they just willy nilly work towards it. Cause that's a dream. That's whatever the goal. day brings. Yeah, we'll get there. Exactly. That's not a goal. It's not a dream to be honest with you. I'd rather you don't even tell me about it. I don't want to hear about it <laughs> because it's just a dream and nobody cares unless you're going after it. If you're going after it, I want to help you. I'll help you get there. So we took the goals 
and we broke it down and what do I need to do this month? What do I need to do this week? What do I need to do this day? What am I going to do every single day in order to accomplish my goal? And yeah, <laughs> he's showing me a, his goal, his daily goals and his habits that are going to help him reach his goal. That are outlined every morning and every evening exactly. so that it's accountable to myself to get that done. Exactly. And so my presentation was doing that. And, you know, as I was building this presentation, I started to look at, okay, I want to give an example to all of the franchise owners and really anybody that's participating in this training that would just hit home as a, oh, okay, I apps, I can visualize it now. That's a damn near impossible goal. And here's the daily habits they're going to do to work towards it. And so for my presentation, I decided to register for a full Ironman. And for anybody who doesn't know, it's two and a half mile swim, followed by 112 mile bike ride, followed by a full marathon, 26.2 miles, back to back to back. Um, and is it almost impossible for me? I told you I had a military, military background, but folks, that was a long time ago. That was about 30 pounds ago, <laughs> right? 30 pounds ago, that over a decade ago. And I don't swim. Now, don't get me wrong. I can swim in a pool with my kids. I'm not going to drown, but I don't swim. I've never swam across a, a, a Olympic-sized pool or anything like that. And an Ironman is another whole type of swimming, too, because there's water. elbows and knees and open water. That The get-go, when you, when you start, it's rough. Yes, absolutely. Now, 112-mile bike ride, I, don't, I didn't own a bike when I set out on this. I physically didn't own a bike, and now I'm going to somehow bike 112 miles. And like I said, I'm 30 pounds overweight and I was already a big guy. So I'll, I mean, I'm not ashamed of it at all. I, I weighed 248 pounds when I started this thing. That 240 pound man mm -hmm. does not run a marathon. Like his knees. No, without his knees hurting. That's no. for sure. Yeah. Your knees, your body. <laughs> your feet, just, yeah. You are not meant to be a runner and I do not have a runner's build. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a damn near impossible task for me, but I want to prove that it is possible to them. And so I broke that down into the, here's my workouts every single day. This is my workout today and tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday for the next six to nine months. Here's what I'm doing every single day. Here's milestones. My milestones are the half marathon, the uh, half Ironmans that I scheduled out. One mm -hmm. first one's in May, the next one's in July. So I'm going to take these, they're checkpoints along the way. So it's a full plan to reach a damn near impossible goal. And so I think it's a great example for the franchisees. I also, to be honest with you, outside of that, um, one, again, I like to challenge myself. I love the success. I did a half marathon on a treadmill on Saturday. That's talk a lot about, worse than running a marathon. Talk, oh my God. Talk about miserable half marathon on a treadmill. I did this past Saturday, but when I was done, that's that little bit of addictive success. I did it. I hit it. Believe me, I did not want to do it. I was mm -hmm. a mile and a half in and I was like, eh, I can stop. Yeah. Maybe I'll do this next weekend. Yeah. But I, but I'm the type of person that if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So my wife jokingly, when I left that morning, I said, ah, I'll probably do like 12 miles, not that full half marathon. I'll probably just do 12. I'll try to get 12. And when I was all done, I called her up. I said, I'm on my way home. She said, Hey, did you do the full half marathon? And I said, yes. And she said, I knew you would. I said, what do you mean? She goes, there's no way you will only run 12 and not finish up that extra mile, just over a, a mile. She said, there's no way. That wouldn't that's, compute. That's not me. Yeah. That's not me. So, and I did, I did the full, the full half marathon on a treadmill, which was miserable, but so it's, I want to inspire the franchisees, but also it's, it's for my family. I have three kids and my kids, they didn't know ranger dad right they didn't they didn't know that side of me my wife did but my kids don't know mm -hmm. that so you know my kids are seeing me pack on 30 pounds and you know not getting involved as much so um now i get to hopefully be a really good example for them as well definitely we, we and that's a motivator man that's that's i'm, I'm the same way in that 
a lot of the like things I've mentioned in the sports and the things that I do, I do them all with my boys. Yeah. Like I do, we do them together and we do them at different levels cause they're 10 and eight, but they're getting better. You know, they're, they're a lot better than they were when they were six and eight or yep. when they were four and six. And the more they get better, the more it starts to push me. And, but I love it because like what you're getting at the meeting, the goals, hitting those things, doing it. Like we ran a race this, this summer, uh, my, my, seven-year-old at the time ran his first five-mile road race with me which was awesome and my other one he ran a 5k with me which was awesome because he's not even a runner he's a hockey goalie and does other things which is badass i, I was never a hockey player yeah. but i never knew much about it watching him 10 goal it's crazy um, but it's not just the which is awesome the stuff you're listing like the the getting there and crossing the goals but i think exercise itself is underrated for people they think it's a pain in the ass thing and they, and a lot of people don't do it, not understanding that it's not just to be fit or to be thinner. You feel good that you know, if you do, especially with like an Ironman training, you're doing a lot of cardio, you do a lot of cardio, your brain gets calm. Absolutely. It's like meditation and it lasts beyond when you're exercising and you carries into the rest of your life. And you're probably feeling sharper and, and feeling better than you were a few months ago, just by forcing yourself to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody who goes to the gym or any type of exercise, you don't do it for two, three weeks and it becomes a habit and you get used to that feeling and then skip the gym for a day. Right. And just go to work. I guarantee you, you will feel terrible. Trash. At work. You'll feel terrible. You'll mm -hmm. feel unproductive, tired, lazy, and you, you think it should be the opposite because you didn't wear yourself out, but right. it's not. No, no, it's a, it, it fuels your battery. Yep. Yeah, but you have to remember to keep ratcheting things up too, though. You know, there's a lot of people at the gym that are on a stair step or not sweating. And, yeah. you know, they just do their 20 minutes every other day and they wonder like, why am I not getting in shape? And that's what I talk about when I say setting a challenge for yourself. It has to be a challenge. One year, like I said, it was bodybuilding. This year it's Ironman. Next year I'm talking about maybe an ultra marathon. I don't know. But I want to also have a challenge because if I'm just going to go to the gym every day and run two miles and lift some weights, right? It's, it's not going to challenge me and I'm going to be that guy on the, on the, on the Stairmaster. We all are, unless you find a challenge. That's Absolutely. my point. Yeah. It's not, it's not that some people are immune to it or just cooler. It's that's what, I mean, we're humans. We're evolved to take the easier path. Yeah. And if you, you have, if you want more, you have to, you have to remind yourself, oh yeah, I want to actually sweat and yeah. feel this. So make this hour worth it. Yeah. And it's because if, if not, you're just wasting the hour. Yeah. And whatever that challenge is, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, but, but understanding why you're doing that challenge, like what is your why kind of thing, um, I think is important. And, and when you announce that in your challenge, I think it's, it's a great way to ensure that you meet that challenge. For me, you know, my children are going with me. They're going to that Ironman and they're, they're going to be waiting at the finish line. Like I have to finish. Yes. You I have, have to have cross to that finish line. Like if I break my ankle, skip whatever, right. My kids are waiting at that finish line. And if there's anybody on earth, I don't want to disappoint. It's them right there. So that that's going to push you and that's going to push you. And, and, and it doesn't matter if it's an Ironman or, or whatever you want, whatever do, it is, yourself, but yeah. understand your why and announce it. Don't keep it to yourself. Let everybody know about it. It will help you get there. Right. If it's a secret, you can always just say, well, too bad. Yeah. Exactly. If it's out there, you hold yourself yeah, accountable anyways. Right. Nobody exactly. Anyways. It's, it's yeah. not embarrassing because I didn't tell anybody, yeah. but that's just a unnecessary safety measure. Yeah. I agree. And it's fun. Like we, um, I, I love, I love to run because I like the hurt and the, like it hurts. It sucks. I'm, I'm also not really built like a runner. And, um, 
running hurts and that's what i end up liking about it though there's like this, this whole mantra from this dude david goggins just oh, embrace yeah. the su- oh, you know goggins yes yeah, embrace yeah. the suck and yeah. it's just like yeah it's gonna suck so do it anyway and, and look, get stronger right and look at his story he was like 300 pounds yeah he's a big he dude the seals yep. yep um and so i got really into running and i eventually learned to really like it it never stopped sucking yeah. but i but i really like it and i like the first mile or two i hate i hate yeah. my knees hurt my feet hurt like i don't want to do it I, it's just it seems like i can't finish it <laughs> but then i'll run at first that was it but now i'll run another eight miles after that and i and i feel great that whole time my dog's super happy you know she's running along with me and this year i had never done longer than like a 5k so we did a relay race with some friends and i decided i would do a half marathon section of the relay um so it was a full the relay was a full marathon and there was four of us doing it so i was going to run three of the legs along with the other people so I ended up, I mean, two of the legs, one and then a bonus leg. So I ended up running two and then I ran a third one with my wife and it was up and down Wachusett. So I summited oh, Wachusett yeah. four times in a day <laughs> in a race and it was, it, it hurt and my feet were bleeding, but I, I didn't know that at the time. I just kept going and it was fun. I was, you know, riding that the high of the exercise, but it was the same thing. I just set this goal. Like I didn't know if I could run up a mountain. Yeah. So I signed up to run up it twice. Exactly. Did it. And then I ran up a third time just yeah. to, just to be an ass. Just and to keep then, going. And, yeah. And then you, when you surprise yourself, mm-hmm. that's, that's what fuels you to the next one. And that's what, you know, whatever challenge you set for, for right now, right. I'm going to run up once, right. You do it, you accomplish it. Next time you do it, you're going to want to, you, your, your challenge is going to be, I'm going to do it twice. And then the, the more you challenge yourself, eventually you're that guy that says, yeah, I'm going to run a hundred miles through a mountain. And people are like, that's nuts. That's impossible. You're like, no, dude, I've, I've already done 50. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. It's going to do it. 50 of these. Not that it's easy, yeah. but you can do it. Yeah. That, I think that's a big thing that people can learn is that you can do way more than you think you can. It, it, oh, if you just put the foot in front of the other yeah. one. But yeah, for me, it was, uh, I didn't think, I, I didn't, I knew I could do it, but I didn't know how I was going to do, uh, you know, the half marathon up and down a mountain. And when I got to the end of it, I still had something left in the tank. And I was just for me personally, I know that if I, if I stop now, I'm going to, I'm going to be mad at myself later. So I might as well just keep going. Yep. And so I did another leg with my wife who ran one of the legs of it. So we did, uh, oh, I tried to chase her down. She left before I did and I never quite caught her, but I was on her tail chasing her through the woods. Exactly. And now you guys are pushing each other. Your kids are watching. They're, you're leading by example. It's mm-hmm. yeah. And both my kids want to run the race this year with us. So it, it, it comes together exactly like that. It's yep. cool. So. I've taken you off on some tangents, which is right. something I do. <laughs> Let's go back to the post army, yeah. uh, Rick, who now starts to work at the IT company. Yeah. So what, what are you doing as you come into the role? So originally um, it was mostly just the sales aspect. So the original founder of Cinch IT was having trouble growing the business and, and selling it and bringing on new customers. So that's the first part that he outsourced to my IT company is, is the sales aspect of it. And so we were going out and finding out, similar to what we talked about, what is it that business owners are looking for from their IT provider and mm-hmm. how do we uh, put together an offering to give them exactly that? How do we do one that has great relationships that we can have with our clients? Um, so it was on the sales side um, and we were incredibly successful. Um, and that's when we started on taking on more and more and more. So there was no struggle early days. It was, oh, it was going every day, <laughs> literally every single day. Um, and, and the struggles are all of, we made literally. So I, so when I talk to potential awardees, that's what we call a, a franchise, a potential franchise owner, right? Cause we're awarding franchise. We don't actually sell them. I can't sell you a business. It's gotta be a good fit for you, your life, your family, everything. Um, when I talk to them, I tell people this and it's the honest to goodness truth. I have made every 
single mistake possible and wasted more money than you could even imagine. And we're successful now, but we still make mistakes every day. We still waste money every day. This is, this is a never ending, never ending cycle of you make mistakes, you learn from them, you improve from them. And so we've made all the mistakes and we went through all the struggles. We went through cash flow struggles. We went through the struggles that we talk about with our potential, potential people. We, we didn't have a help desk, a uh, big enough help desk. We had one person on it when we got started. Um, high-end projects, we wanted to take on high-end projects, but we couldn't afford the high-end guys. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to or- figure out where we order all this product from, from all over the country, from all these different manufacturers, and how do we partner with them and get certifications and get discounts in order to be able to provide good prices to our customers. Um, how do we set up an accounting department and run one efficiently? We're a subscription model or a, um, you know, it's monthly reoccurring revenue model. Uh, so there was everything to figure out because in the IT space, like I said, when we first got started, this thing of managed services where it's kind of all you can eat IT, it's all inclusive, yeah. fixed multi-price that didn't exist back then. It didn't exist. And so we had to learn and that had to evolve and we had to learn from our mistakes. So yeah, we did, we struggle every single day yeah so tell me uh, or a little bit about from from before you buy the business to then you buy it and then you know eventually through to today where it is your life has obviously evolved you've mentioned a few times your wife and that you've have three kids and i'm assuming in the beginning of this all you didn't necessarily have the three kids and things have changed so one thing that I like to talk about is the way that businesses, if you run a business, you have the luxury, it, it's not really a luxury, but you do have the luxury of, it's your decisions that take things forward, right? So sure. my business has changed, like we've alluded to and talked about over the years based on my needs and my family and my life changing. I changed the way I run my business to reflect what I want to be as a family man and as a dad and that sort of stuff. So how, you know, just... Tell me a little bit about the ride from the, the, the Rick, no kids coming into buying up the business to the Rick today, managing being a dad of three and also having the growing business. In other words, what's changed in what it took to get things done in the business? So what's changed probably has been the level of organization that my life has had to take on. Um, I think to a large part, I'm still the same person um, with the same mentality and the same drives from day one till now. Um, if anything, my goals are getting loftier, right? But it's taken a extreme level of organization in order to get everything done. So I'll give you a good example. Um, in, obviously, you need to make time to spend with your family, right? I do. I have three kids. You got to make time to, to spend with them. You got to make time, you know, for, for your wife or your significant other. Um, and if you're the, as passionate as I am, those things don't come accidentally. Like I, there's no way five o'clock is going to roll around and I'm the type of person that goes, Ooh, got to go home. Cause I got to spend time with the kids or my wife or vice versa. I'm not going to be with my kids having fun with them on a Saturday and be like, Oh, I got to stop right now and go do work. It's just, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm a passionate person who likes to get involved and likes to go, 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 go. So for me, it's a level of organization where I do things and structure my life to make sure that everything gets the equal amount of attention. I told you I'm a military checklist guy, right? There is a checklist at the end of every single month that I go through that says, remember to appreciate your employees. I make sure it's a checklist. I try to do it every single day, but I never want to forget. So I remind myself every single 
month. Do something for your employees. I don't care if it's buy pizza. I don't care if it's just go go by and give them a high five, whatever it is, but you do something. And I do the same thing for my kids. The best example I, I can give you is, so I grew up playing soccer. I'm a big soccer player. I love soccer. My kids are naturally falling into that as well, just because I'm passionate. They are as well. Yeah. My kids play soccer. I can go to my kids' games, right? And attend them and watch them and cheer them on. And I will do that 90% of the time. But when business is very busy and there's an emergency, that's at 10% of the time, I might skip it to come to work. I don't want to do that. So I coach them. I, I, I coach my kids in soccer because now I'm guaranteed. I've done the organization that says, nope, I have to be here. Yep. And I will spend time with them and vice versa. You know, if there's, there's times where I have to be at the office, yeah, we schedule it out. My, my wife will call, she'll call me a crazy person. But when my wife and I have a conversation, I'll say, shoot me an email and I'll put it on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. I mean, you're speaking my language. My wife and I have these things where she'll tell me, oh, on this day, such and such, we got to do this. I'm like, put it in my calendar. Yep. It's, if it's not my calendar, I won't be there. I, you know, I, I, I need it. I need to know, you know, I'm, I'm such a nerd that way that, uh, just a stupid little aside on your checklist or remember to appreciate the employees. I have a reminder that goes off in my phone and daily it's written in this planner we alluded to earlier to put my phone away when I get home and it's away until my kids go to sleep. Yeah. And so it's a habit. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time now, but every day I want the reminder to not just physically put it away, but mentally put it away. In other words, I'm not going to see anything on that thing for the next three hours while we play. If you if you don't have that level of organization, you probably would put it away every day, but it, you probably Maybe wouldn't put it days, away. Maybe four days. Or either that, I was going to say, you might not put it away till 637 because you, you'll tell yourself, I just have a couple more yep. things I have to do. And a yep. couple more things all of a sudden turn into the kids giving, giving you a kiss goodnight. Yep. And you're like, man, shit. So if you stay organized enough you'll, you'll make time for everything. I think people, and I can, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think people view that level of organization as too much work and like, it takes up too much time. And I can say that because I was that person, you know, I was the person who's like, I'm not doing all that. That's lame. It just, you know, let's see how things go. Uh, that was more my nature. And now I don't, I don't operate that way at all. And what I can say is I have way more time absolutely now, but you have to put the work in and you have to have that discipline to, to, to give yourself little reminders. And then you have to listen to them. Yeah, you know, you have to listen to yourself. It's your, it's your future or your past self telling you things. And they, they know better because they knew they were thinking with a clear head when they made that decision. And now you don't want to put your phone down because there's an interesting client emailing you or so, something's happening. But you were right when you made the decision, you know, it, barring special circumstances. Sure. You know? Oh, absolutely. The level of organization, if, if, you, if you take the time and, and discipline to do that and, and do it consistently, it will allow you to do way more things. I, I talk to a lot of business owners and we'll have a conversation and say, oh, can you do this on Friday? And they'll say to them, they'll, they will actually say, oh, I, I, I'm not sure. Most likely I got a, a few things going on that day. If you were to ask me, I would say, yeah, I can do it from 2.15 right. until 2.45. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the only time I can do it. But I can. But I can. Yeah. Right. And everybody else is going to most likely say, nah, let's just look at a different day because I got some stuff going on. But you could have got it done. Right. If you were organized enough to know that. And if you get it done, you can move on to other things. Exactly. That, that's the beautiful feeling. And, and I, I'm not saying I'm a great organizer that I get everything figured out. I'm just better than I was. Yeah, and I sure. think I'll continue to get better because I enjoy it. You know, it's like like we we're just saying about hobbies. This is another one of them. It's been going for a while. It's not new, but it's I, I, I like 
driving. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good feeling. Um, what was I just going to say? I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> Back to the story of you coming up. So as you start to, we're talking about the discipline, right? And, but it couldn't have, you had discipline coming out of the military, but you probably weren't the person you are today when you were originally buying the cinch, right? So there was probably things you hadn't yet learned, lessons you hadn't yet taken. So was it, was it organized, but still more frantic than you are today in putting things together? Um, it was organized. It was, it was frantic. Sure. Um, the, the longer you stick it out and you learn from those mistakes, sometimes the easier it can get. Um, for me, that's hiring great people. So when I first got started, I was organized, I was disciplined and I would work my tail off. And that, that, that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Hard work goes a long yeah. way. Hard work and preparation can hide a lot of sin. It can overcome a lot of things too. Absolutely. But it only goes so far. And at some point, if you want to continue to grow and scale your business, you got to bring on good people. And, and, and that was probably, that's probably the biggest shift and change for me was at some point I began to let go of pieces and hired really great people and said, I trust you to run with it now. That's your baby. I trust you to run with this one and stuff like that. That's huge. Yeah. And that's, that, a, that's that, a big thing. And that was, that was probably the biggest change in me from then to now is just accepting to let go of certain pieces and, and trusting that we brought aboard some really brilliant people that are going to do a great job. With yeah. Them. That's mature. That's a, that's growth right there. That's it's hard to do. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely hard to do. I remember what I was going to say. The going back to the scheduling and the the discipline to to block out your time and and be hold yourself accountable. Nothing drives me more insane than the people who always tell you how busy they are and they don't have time for things. Like, oh, I'd go to the gym, but it must be nice. You go to the gym or you do this or you do that and you ride your bike and you do jujitsu or what. must be nice. You know, have to have the time. Like you have the time too. Oh, hundred percent. Well, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm just busy. I'm busy too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it depends on how, what are you busy with? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, you know watch, work's work's yeah. going to do this. And they watch Netflix till 11 o'clock every night. Yeah. That's what it is. If some, yeah, well, for sure they do. And if somebody's default answer, as I get to know them is always how busy they are. The one that my first thought is you're disorganized. Yeah, you're, you're just, you're, you're a mess. Yeah. When I first announced, you know, doing the Iron Man, people said you're, that's, you're never going to have time to do that. You, you, you own businesses, a couple of them. And, you got this new franchise program. There's no way you're going to find time to train because that's volume. That's volume. That's hours and hours. That half marathon took me over two hours. Yeah. I didn't say I was fast runner, <laughs> but it's, it takes a lot. Don't of, have to be fast. Yeah, exactly. You just got to get it done, <laughs> but it takes a lot of time. And, and, and to an extent, yeah, you, you almost don't even want to have these conversations because they're, you're, you're two totally different minds. Right. Right. When you're having that conversation with somebody, but the truth is I go to bed at nine o'clock every night because I get up at 4 a.m because I want to do my training in the morning so it doesn't interfere with work or home life. So that's a personal sacrifice that I'm making. And what is that person? What am I sacrificing? Sleep. And by the way, that's still what? Eight hours of sleep. Right. I'm still getting you're not sacrificing. You're just, you're sacrificing Netflix. Yeah, that's it. And that's my point is most people are staying up and watching Netflix till 11 o'clock at night. Well, I'm going to bed at nine o'clock. My kids are already in bed. I'm not messing time with them. My wife wants her alone time at that point. Anyways, right. I'm not losing time with her. I'm going to sleep. I'm getting up at four o'clock. I'm it's a personal sacrifice in the morning. Doesn't affect work. Doesn't affect my home life. Um, and that's my time to get it done. If you want something, you'll get it done. If you tell me you don't have time, 
you don't actually want to get it done. Right. It's, it's that simple. I, I'm, I want to go to bed at nine and I, I fail at that. I'm in bed by nine 30, 10 every day. Cause I get up at five and I take to, to do work. I can get on with my stuff. Um, and I want to go to bed earlier. That's one of my newest goals I've inserted and I'm trying, yep. but it's tough for me, which is just another excuse for scheduling. But when I get home at night from like, let's say jujitsu, I can't turn off. Yep. So it takes me time to be able to get tired and go to sleep. And what I'm counting on is if I just keep going, I'll get tired enough to start falling asleep at yeah. nine. That's, that's my current plan. Just, yeah. I just need to get a little more tired. So I go to bed earlier. Yeah. And it's, it's back to discipline really is, is, is if you get home from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and you're exhausted and you're tired and you eat some food and this and that shower real quick, it's all about your habits and your routines. For me, do I fall asleep at nine o'clock every single night? Absolutely not. Last night was a great example. I think I tossed and turned because I was thinking about a whole bunch of crazy stuff, to be honest with you. But I think I fell asleep at 11 or 1130 at night. Mm -hmm. I still get up. And you're, you're still resting. You're putting yourself into the place where you can fall asleep. You're putting yourself into a mode of rest and letting your, if your brain's not going to turn off, it's not going to turn off, but you're letting it. Exactly. And you, what I did is I, I'm, I'm physically in bed. I'm away from the couch. I'm away from the TV. I'm not watching Netflix. Cause then you're going to get caught up and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to go down that route. Yep. I'm laying in bed. I'm like you said, I'm resting. I'm thinking I'm preparing for sleep. And you know what? If I don't go to sleep till 11 o'clock at night, I'm still waking up at the exact same time. I'm a little bit more tired. That's on me. That's my personal sacrifice. And you know, Dude, what? if I have friends over and we spend the night hanging out, I'm still up the next morning. Cause it's important to me that my day starts when my day starts. Exactly. And the truth is, is if you are consistent and disciplined on that, the next night, like tonight, when I go to sleep at nine o'clock, I'm probably going to pass out. Yeah. Don't you, it's funny. Don't you find yourself looking forward to the day after the nights you couldn't fall asleep because you just sleep so good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. (laughs) So what else do we want to know as you coming together? What, um, I got one. What made you want to go out on your own where, let me preface why I'm interested in your answer. You're a military guy, which is teamwork. And it's all about being part of the unit, right? And the yep. unit is part of the greater thing. And that's, that's all great. So you come from this background of being part of that team on, under, under an organization. And then you, you work here or not here as in what I'm looking around at today, <laughs> but you work for Cinch IT as you come out of the military and you, it sounds like from the get-go, you were looking to go out on your own or at least exploring those options. Yep. What, what was your motivator to want to be on your own as opposed to part of a great team? Like there's nothing wrong with that, right? Oh, oh absolutely. So, you know, in my unit in, in the military, kind of uh, everybody has their specialty. Mine happened to be medicine. I was, I was the medic and it was an organization where you're constantly developing leadership. Okay. And my unit at, you eventually all went to ranger school and you had to graduate. That's what brought kept you in the unit, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And for me, I've, I've always been, I guess you'd kind of a natural leader. Right. And I want, and, and, and what I, what I think is kind of driving that is I like to be responsible and in charge of my own success. Okay but I can never do it alone. And that's, I think what makes someone like myself become a leader is I want to be in charge of my own success. I want to have control over that, but I know I can't do it alone. And the only way for me to accomplish most of those things is for me to work with and lead really great people mm-hmm. as well. Um, 
And so, you know, I think that's for me, that's, that's, I think what made me want to go out on my own is I want to control my future. I want to control my success. I want to be able to work with great people um, that can help me get there. And, and owning your own business and becoming an entrepreneur is all of those things yeah. wrapped up. That's one thing that's always given me really great comfort. And I think for a lot of people, it's the, it's the thing that keeps them from doing it because it's the exact opposite feeling. It gives them the anxiety is I'm in charge of my success or failure. Yep. And that's it. It's all, it's all on me. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. What I was really uncomfortable with was that somebody could fire me today for, for, for nothing no for, or for a good reason or whatever, but it, it wasn't my choice. If, if you were going to dram- dramatically alter my life and I had no say in the matter and that, that really made me feel uneasy that, that bugged me. Plus, I mean, my dad kind of always, I remember in second and third grade, early memories of him telling me, you know, look around the classroom, Adam, do you want to work for those people or do you want them working for you? You know, think about the way you have relationships with people and the way you learn and try in school and work hard. And my dad, you know, he's a first generation immigrant. So he's got that immigrant mentality where it's, there is no, no, it's just, you know, going forward. Plus he was military like you at point in his life. He speaks eight languages. He's, he's the Dosecki's wow. guy. He's like a, he's like a <laughs> the most classic, guy yeah, he's like a classic CIA spy, but you know, he's, 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 he's that guy. He's tall, dark, handsome, speaks eight languages. He's just brilliant. And he's just the coolest, most interesting dude. And I always respected him. Like I was lucky enough to be a kid that had a dad he could look up to and had like a role model there. And I I try to be the same for my boys. I'm not as cool as my dad, but I try to just be a good dad, you know, and be someone that they can have. But I always had in my head doing things on your own and just being responsible for it, either being good or bad. Like my first business was when I was like eight, my dad let me use the lawnmower to mow the lawn. And I went around to all the neighborhood kids, uh, I mean, neighborhood houses, and I banged on every door and said, can I mow your lawn? And got a certain X amount of people to let me mow their lawn for 20 bucks. Then I went and hired neighborhood kids for 10 bucks to mow all those lawns. And I wasn't mowing any lawns except my dad's. You know, I was mowing the lawn in my house and that was it. But I was making all this money and my dad thought it was the, the, the greatest. He didn't tell me to do it, but he thought it was the greatest, you know, thing I could have done with him letting me use that lawnmower and, and go out and do it. I thought, and it's funny cause that's, I went to, I ended up going to business school. Um, again, not, not to get moved forward in my career or anything. I wanted to go to business school and learn more about operations and how businesses work, different businesses work. Uh, but more, I wanted to set an example for my kids for if they go the higher education route, then my dad went to Babson. I went to Babson. It's a, it's a cool like family legacy thing that they can go to if they want to start a business and get an entrepreneurship background. It's a great school for that. And you meet entrepreneurs, which is another thing yeah, I, I was interested in doing. Um, so when I went to there, you're supposed to write, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a good school. Like it's a highly ranked, you know, school where there's a lot of competition to get in and there's only a certain amount of seats and you're supposed to write, uh, one of the things is write an essay about entrepreneurship to what it means to you and how you're an entrepreneur, or at least have the entrepreneur mindset. And I, at the point I already had this business for like 15 years or, or 10 years or whatever it was at the time. And I didn't, I wrote about the lawn, the lawn mowing company. Yeah. That, that was what I wrote about and then said that, sent that in and they called me and wanted to talk about it. And they thought it was interesting because I didn't, they, they had my resume and all that stuff too. And they knew I owned businesses, but they, the one I wrote about was that fake little one, because that's arguably the most meaningful one to me where it made me understand what, what it meant. And so we, you know, we have a little bit about your background and your, you have that retrospect to be able to look at that. And I bet you that there's, you have a several other examples in your childhood of successes that you've had. And, and I, 
I'd be curious if there was ever a study done, but I'd be curious to see of, of everybody that starts out on their own business and becomes an entrepreneur. My guess is at some point they all had successes, even the smallest ones just built up over and over and over because that's what gave them the self-confidence to say, I'm going to go out on the own, my own. I am confident enough to be in charge of my destiny and my success and stuff like that. And I think if there's, you know, people that, that went through life, not getting those uh, successes and yeah. those accomplishments, they, they might not have the confidence in themselves and they might be that type of person that panics and says, I don't want to be responsible mm -hmm. for that. For sure. Um, and, and your, your story of, of the lawn mowing is a, a perfect example. You, 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 you wanted to do something, you, you went out, you did it, you found success with it, you went on. You did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you, you found success with it, you, you move on, you do whatever those things are. I think you need those. If you don't have those, you're never going to have the self-confidence to take that leap. It goes back to where we started the conversation and having wins, even if they're small wins, having goals, the ones that you're not sure you're going to get to and getting to them. It opens up a whole new world for you. Yep. Go, one more back to my dad. I did have a lot of those when I was young. My dad would um, sort of trial by fire me and I would have to make decisions and I would have to, he would give me like projects where I would have, and he would give me what he expected and that's it. And I'd have to problem solve. Yep. And, and at the end it would, I knew I'd be answering to him and it was going to be, did I, did I succeed or didn't I? One example around the same age, seven, eight years old, my dad had a dump truck full of pea gravel delivered to the driveway. And my project was to, we had a deck off the back of the house my project was, here's your shovel. You're going to dig two feet down and three feet in the middle. So there's a ravine and then fill under the deck with rocks. That's your job. You're going to get whatever it was, 10 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour to do this work. You always paid me. Yep. But with that money, I could decide, am I keeping all the money and doing all the labor? Am I using that money to hire friends that are going to help me on the, on the summer days to get it done? And none of the, all that was up to me. So he just basically, I had a budget and I had a job to get done and, I, and figure it out. Exactly. How much time are you going to play with your friends? Cause that's important too. He never said, don't play with your friends. Yep. Just said, get that done. And I would have like the summer, you know, to get it done. So it wasn't unreasonable. I'm not, he wasn't mean at all. In fact, these were to me, they're gifts, yeah. the, but it was everywhere every other parent thought my dad was crazy and all the kids thought it was crazy like i'm doing manual labor i'm doing construction you know and and, and just left to it you know but, but hard work dedication all that kind of stuff i think so business owners you know there's a lot of people so i try to manage that way as well what your dad did is he gave you the result he wanted he didn't tell you how to go get it done nope he just said here's the result i want it's up to you son however you want to get that done and i think the business owners should be doing the same thing guys here's the result i want I hired brilliant people to, right. to, You're smart. to make You're smart. that happen. Get after it. However you want to do it. I'm not micromanaging you. This is the result we want. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, again, it's the little successes, but in, in your case, it's the parenting and, and you're trying to do the same thing for your kids. I'm trying to do the same thing for my kids. We talked about the Ironman. It's, it's for me trying to give a good example. Um, my daughter last night, she's on YouTube. She's frustrated that she sees commercials. And I, so I explained to her YouTube red, how you can get, if you want to pay, you don't have to watch commercials. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I really want that. And I said, cool, cost $10 a month. She's, she's eight years old. I said, it costs $10 a month. I said, as soon as you get a job and, and you can afford $8 a month, you don't have to watch commercials on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think I want to start a business banking, baking cakes. I'm going to call it Kinsey cakes and I'm going to sell them. And, and she went through this like mini business plan as a seven-year-old and, 
and, and she wanted to sell them on the side of the road right in front of her house. And I said, I don't know if you can sell them right there. And she said, well, maybe we can sell them online and then we can go deliver them. And she's going through and building a business plan at eight years old because she wants to accomplish. She wants a certain result. In this case, she doesn't want to watch ads on YouTube. Right. But it's hopefully, I I mean, I hope she's getting some of that and she's thinking that way because she sees the examples her parents are setting for her Mm -hmm. and and your kids will probably be the same way. I hope so. I hope I can do as good a job. I I certainly have the intention like this. You see that right there. Yep. That is my two boys. They own that company 508. That's the logos designed by my youngest when he was about five years old. And it's a, um, it's an e-commerce business where they have a website and we make skateboards in our garage, the deck. So we do the woodworking together. None of us knew how to do it. We learned how to do it together, but we also source other products like knee pads and just like stuff that go along with adventure sports. And they have a e-commerce store that sells it. And we have hats and sweatshirts and stuff. We make no money. Yeah, absolutely. At all. It costs me money monthly to have the business, (laughs) but they're they're getting it in their head what it takes to get the website up and running, to find products, to vote on which ones we're going to sell, to make some of them with our hands. You know, like the skateboards are made in our garage and we have a little brand of that that gets burned into the board when we do it. it. We've sold zero. We've had friends ask and we just can't turn it around in time or whatever. But the point was them seeing what it takes to bring something to fruition, you know, hopefully they'll do something with it, but it's still ongoing at this point, but it does feel good. And I just hope that, um, you know, doing the right things, plugging them into those types of getting them thinking about that, you know, and I, I don't think owning a business is the right answer. I don't think it's for everyone. I don't, I think for some people to wreck your life, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but I do think it's different. Yep. And uh, the main differentiator is are you crushed by the responsibility of everything being your fault or are you empowered by that? And that that's a, to me a tipping point on which way you might want to aim with your career, right? Absolutely. And, and and if they don't do anything with it, if the, if 508 fails, it doesn't matter. They've learned so much. And even if they don't take that, those skills and become entrepreneurs because they've done it before they're there, they will take skills into the workforce that they've learned Mm -hmm. that they've learned. So they're, they're valuable lessons. And I, hopefully I think one of the most valuable ones to take forward is that they can do it. They might not know how or want to, but you can figure it out and you can, if you work hard on it, I, I, I always find it still to this day and I'm old, I'm 44. I find it amazing to myself where I can just take on something I don't know how to do. And if I just work on it, meaning I chip away at it, I do little pieces of it. All of a sudden it's done yep. and I get it and I know it. And now it's a thing that I can have in my holster. You know, it's just, it's, it, and it still amazes me to this day that, Oh my God, I dismantled it. I did it. And now I know what that is. Yep. I that's, love that feeling. That's just another win. Yeah. It's another accomplishment. Uh, we're, we're over an hour already. So I don't want to, it goes fast. I know. I know you were saying before the show, you can't believe that some of the guests would talk long enough to have two episodes or yeah, that exactly. was over an hour. <laughs> I told you everyone's over an hour. Um, so I, I don't want to, I want to respect your day. Do you have anything else that you want to get into? I'm not in a rush, but I don't want to take every day either. So I have one more question that sure. I like to ask just over the years in running the business. What, what do you, what has been like an aha moment or a lesson that you, st- that keeps with you that's, that sticks to this day? Like a thing about running a business that, that you, you learned maybe the hard way or, or a good thing, but you just haven't let go of. That's a good question. Um, Actually, I can. So a good friend of mine actually just said this out loud, at least um, to me just last week, actually, last Thursday. 
uh, we were talking, we were, in a, it was a group, it was a table sitting around there and, and it was all business owners. And, uh, he said, I think you should sit down with Rick. Cause Rick is the king of taking a step back in order to take three steps forward. Um, and for me, uh, I would say that's probably my aha moment that I've, th- that I've come to realize over the years is that if you want to grow something and if you want to build something like a business, um, you need to make sure you are not a greedy person at all. And you need to be willing to take a step back in order to make leaps forward. And I've done that over and over and over again. And I will probably continue. I know for a fact I will continue to do that over and over and over again. There is many times where I've actually taken a pay cut in order to bring on maybe another employee, yeah, maybe yep. to purchase a new business, maybe uh, or a new building or whatever. I've taken a step back. I may have taken a step back with customers. We're bringing on customers more and more and more and more. And all of a sudden I say, stop, let's focus on the foundation. Let's focus on taking care of these customers. Let's stop. Let's take a little step back, establish the foundation of where we're at right now. And then we'll take leaps and bounds forward. So um, I would say my aha moment is the realization that you don't always have to push forward and do more and more and more Mm. that it's okay to slow down, to stop, maybe even take a step backwards in order to take a, a leap forward. That's good advice. And then, so I'll let you go on, on that. The, I know you're chronicling the franchise with a video, sort of a TV show. Where can people find that if they want to check it out? That's right on Cinch IT's YouTube cha- uh, channel. So uh, the, it's called Forming a Franchise. If you, you can go on our website, cinchit.com. Um, there'll be links to our YouTube page and click right on there and follow that franchise if you're interested in seeing what it's like to start a franchise, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Are there going to be Iron Man updates in there, there too? Oh, uh, actually, the, every episode from here until Iron Man has a short Iron Man update. Um, they're most Mostly very, very embarrassing ones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Maybe someday they'll be cool. Right now they're just embarrassing. If you keep doing it, they will end up cool. Someday, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever be cool, but uh, we'll work towards, you know, it doesn't look like death 15. <laughs> <laughs> Good goals. Good goals. All right. Let's pull the plug on this. 